This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Welcome to the Outstanding Film Podcast. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John. And this week, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Hello, hello. Yes. Wow. Just, just I... still thinking about the movie. <laughs> yes. What an interesting film. So, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Okie dokie. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill must rally his team to defend the universe and protect one of their own. If their mission is not completely successful, it could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. Aha, interesting. Ah. So, we covered Volume 1 a few weeks ago. We covered Uh Volume 2. And here we are at Volume 3, the second film of Phase 5, which opened with (laughs) Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Uh... which we also covered and is bad. (laughs) What did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Man... The film just takes to a different level. Like, we've just been through the entire two phases since... Yeah, it the, I think it was phase three. Yeah, yes, it was, phase, yeah. Phase three. And we just be like, where's the Guardians? And then now we're here. And we've just been through so much terrible stuff. There was some good stuff, but some terrible stuff. But this one, for me, was really exciting. And, you know, we're, we're back with the Guardians. And it was a really interesting experience. And I absolutely loved it. It was so good. What about you? Yeah, it was like a, a healing moment in a lot of ways. I have to agree with you. There's been nothing that has truly blown me away in terms of the films of i think the thing that has blown me away perhaps the most since endgame is the guardians of the galaxy holiday special <laughs> of course also james gunn i feel like he <laughs> yes. just doesn't miss obviously there are some tv shows that i like but when it comes to the, on the big screen we've had some good stuff we've had some bad stuff but i feel like this is a level of quality that we haven't had in a good long while and yes damn i really think that this movie first of all It was not what I expected at all. I definitely think that... I've talked about this before in the podcast. I can't remember when, but I've definitely ranted about this before. Marketing is always the downfall of a great movie. Yes. And it's it's why I try these days to, to avoid it. But obviously, you know, I go to cinema quite a lot and I have seen the Guardians trailer a couple of times. And that did hinder me at points when specifically, obviously we are talking about spoilers. So, you know, specifically the whole time that Rocket was on the verge of death, I knew he's going to be fine because in the trailer they show shots of him that I hadn't seen yet. And that was a little bit difficult. It took me out of it a little bit. But, you know, surrounding the entire way that the marketing presented the film and what we know from Guardians 1 and 2, this one was so very different in so many ways and i really liked how much darker it was and yeah how more kind of like intimate it was which yeah. is saying a lot because the other films are very intimate oh yeah and this film is darker in terms of like what the film is showing you with with the characters especially with rocket rocket's story is really dark that is something that I'm so glad that we explored because Rocket was such an interesting character in the first two films and I was just really interested by this character. I'm really glad they covered that and the film subverts your expectations which I thought was good because the trailer I was like nah he's not really gonna die but I'm just gonna mentally prepare myself for that but no he did not die. 
we do get to see that arc of Rocket, a really, really good emotional arc. And James Gunn knows how to make these character arcs. They're just so good. You can see that especially in Volume 2. There's a lot going on in Volume 2, but within that, there's a lot of character arcs, which is really good. But Rocket just stole the whole film. He he was just a highlight, and the story was just very rich within that, and I really, really liked that. Yeah, some of the highlights, I think definitely some of the bits that stood out the most to me were the segments with Rocket telling his origin story. That stuff was so, like, first of all, tonally, it was completely different from the rest of the movie. There was so much in it that was evocative of horror, and it builds you up for devastation in many ways. You know, it kind (laughs) of, it's a landscape of tragedy of, you know, you see Rocket's life, and in that life, it's, you know, full of pain and torture you get this spark of friendship within it. And the way that the film builds that up before tearing it down is just one of the most effective things that it does. I think particularly the scene when Rocket's three friends die was just immaculately disturbing. And, you know, the way that he kind of runs away, that was all so in character. And considering that Rocket doesn't do much in the first two acts of the movie, like in the present day, his presence is kind of elevated so much. And there's the scene where the Guardians get a hold of his information and they see some recordings of what happened to him and they're all so disturbed by it. And that kind of goes alongside building up this villain of the High Evolutionary, which I thought all kind of came together really, really effectively to do even more with the character. I think each film has built upon what we know about Rocket, even Infinity War and Endgame. And I know that James Gunn isn't exactly happy with some of the choices made, but you can see in those movies, particularly Endgame, the kind of sadness behind Rocket at losing everyone. He's not really much of a focus, but I feel like each time we've seen Rocket, we've learned more about him to the point where a lot of people did think he was going to die. And I think the marketing did point that direction. Yeah. But in many ways, I'm so, so happy that he didn't. And I'm happy that he gets to live and have that chance to be happy. Yeah, and that whole scene with Rocket's friends, it was just so devastating. Because what I thought for the movie, I thought those characters survived. Because I remember James Gunn was talking about, we're going to get introduced but Lila. And I thought, oh, I guess we're going to see Rocket's old friends or something like that. And we did. That's what I thought too, yeah. But now it goes into flashbacks. And I thought they escaped. But no, it's just so devastating. Oh, it's so emotionally hard to watch that bit. But in terms of characterization, it was continuing that arc, you know, with Rocket and he's trying to make friends and he doesn't know how to make friends. In the first two volumes, there's a great scene where Rocket finds these baby raccoons and it's heartwarming, but it's like, you know, this is a chance to, you know, save these baby raccoons. You know, it gives them a better life. That was just very like, ah. Yeah, I think Rocket has struggled with being a hero and Mm. always found it difficult to accept himself as a good person. And I think the end of this movie really goes hard with making it work in that sense. You really do feel like he can come to an acceptance of himself as a hero. And as a leader, as a captain at the end, one of the scenes that I loved so, so much was when they're all saying their goodbyes at the end and Quill says, you're a better leader than I could ever be. And he gets up and they all do the Ravenger salute to Rocket and they all stand up and do it just like in the first movie. And the same music is playing, which was just such a great little detail. This score is from John Murphy, not Tyler Bates. And there were some moments where I was like, that's fantastic because they're not just disregarding the sound of the other movies, the motifs, the themes. John Murphy has incorporated them. And I love the scene because they all stand up 
and instead of Rocket being the last one to stand, still being on a level below them, they're all stood up and are level with him. And in that moment, like, that's just so good. This whole trilogy, I feel like this movie is just so perfectly wrapping up the themes of this trilogy. It's all about acceptance, acceptance of yourself, acceptance of others, acceptance of grief, acceptance of your mistakes. You think about Quill and Gamora in this movie. It doesn't happen the regular kind of what you might expect of the whole, oh yeah, they get back together and it's all good. No. Quill has to accept the fact that, you know, maybe she is happy with this new life and maybe things can't go back to the way they were. And maybe that's okay. And maybe the thing to do is not cling on to what you had, but also to move forward. And, you know, his choice to leave at the end and go back to Earth is very much the idea of stop running. Because when you run, you never truly get to confront it. You never truly let go of what was in the past. And I think all the characters at the end have that chance to say, I'm going to face what it is that I find difficult and I'm going to accept it and I'm going to use that to move forward with myself. And that was just, like, I think this movie was great, but particularly the third act, James Gunn was firing on all cylinders and he was just, like, whether it be direction or writing, the editing and the, the performances and the music, all of that just kind of came together so spectacularly. Yeah, I agree on that. You know, it's linking back to everything, which I was so happy with because, you know, this one, yeah, as you you were saying, like, it was wrapping up everything in a really sweet way. And one of the great character arcs, you know, you have to face something that, you know, you must come to accept to. And there was one great scene that actually shows that was when Rocket goes and finds the high evolutionary, but he finds uh, the baby raccoons. And then he comes to find what species they were and he reads its raccoon. And there's a great line, he shoots the high evolutionary with a great one-liner, he's like, no, I'm Rocket Raccoon, that was great, you know, he comes to himself, he's learning about himself and he comes to acceptance about that. And there's a great scene, just before that, with the Beastie Boys, which was so spectacular, it was so, so oh good. Oh my god, that has to be one of just the best action sequences in any comic book yeah. movie already you've got so many amazing scenes from this trilogy like especially in volume two when you've got the Mm -hmm. come a little bit closer scene and the entire kind of like final act which i talked about in the video we did on that but the no sleep till brooklyn scene was so good the one take action in this corridor you know can you really ever get better than a superhero hallway fight I don't think so. And, you know, again, James Gunn and his direction took it to the next level. And you're right, the scene where Rocket claims his identity as a raccoon was amazing. It's something that I never really knew that I wanted, but it's so brilliant, you know. As soon as his third scene in the MCU, in the first Guardians movie, Rocket's been saying, I'm not a raccoon, I'm just I'm just me. And, you know, it's always been like a joke, but he he owns it and it really works. It's one of oh. those amazing things where they, yeah. they take a joke that has been persistent and effective and they reclaim it into an emotional moment. And that, I think, is power of writing, which is undescribable. And I love that all the Guardians come to Rocket's aid in that moment, and they all help him beat the absolute shit out of the High Evolutionary. Oh my, oh my god. god. And they peel off his face, like, genuinely just, that is like, some, fantastic. That is some me- There's some metal stuff in this, in this yeah. film. It, it goes metal. Like... One of my favorite set pieces was the entirety of nowhere comes out of the warp space jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it comes out of nowhere, and the eye. Uh, uh, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, there's some metal stuff. Yeah, they peel his face off. 
Oh my god, yeah. It, it, there's some really intense stuff in this film, it's, but no. Yeah, and yeah. then all, like, the, all the torture stuff as well. Like, they really pushed the 12A, the PG-13 rating. Like, Quill drops an F-bomb, which is the first one in the entire MCU. And that was just fun. And, you know, I, I really did love, like, all of that stuff. And on the subject of the High Evolutionary, he was so good. Oh, like, he's so good. Just, I agree. like, he wasn't sympathetic or understandable like Ego was. He's oh, not he... quite as one note as Ronan, but so, so effective and so amazingly evil and hateable. And it was so satisfying to see him. And oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, Chukwudi Iwuji, I hope I'm saying that right. Amazing job. You know, I, I'd already watched him in Peacemaker and I knew that he was great, but... Damn, he he just brought so much. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so good. James Gunn loves his series regulars, but no, he was just fantastic. What a villain. Yeah, he had a great performance as being high evolutionary, and he was so hateable. He was so evil. Like, the guy was just evil incarnation himself. He was just, like, torturing his animals and trying to make this better society, which he failed to do. That really intrigues me, you know, the character dynamic between Rocket and the evolutionary. They have like a similar, not mindset, but they are very smart. But one of them is very jealous about the idea of like being smart, but there's no thought to it at all. He's obsessed with that. And he just destroys the planet. He's like, oh, okay, I don't care for this. That is some next level shit. Like, he's holy like, oh, hell. I don't care. Oh, okay. He just goes for it. He really is like, I would say he's almost a perfection of what Ronan is. I love Ronan. No, I think he's got great presence. I love how he's shot, you know, all that stuff. Like, I think he's cool in Guardians 1. But there definitely is something to be said about he isn't just quite enough developed. I feel like the high evolutionary is the perfection of that, which is ironic because he wants to perfect everything. Yeah. But, you know, Ego is a very personal villain, whether it comes to, like, his evil deeds of sleeping with all these women and having kids with them all, like, and, you know, like, the personal connections that he makes of all them and the personal connection he has with Quill and with Meredith Quill and with Yondu and all that, like, that is all just fantastic. But the High Evolutionary, the lack of personalization he has for everyone, that he will just kill anyone at the drop of a hat, like, there's a moment where all of the people who've been working for him turn on him and he just kills them all in an instant and that is so good. You just gotta love a villain who is just evil and really good at being evil. There's always something fun in that yeah it's not like mustache twirly like it's not on that level of it but it's just something that is like oh wow he's evil he's just so evil but yeah that is some insane villain storytelling right there speaking of villains we have another villain turned hero Adam Warlock. This is interesting because you read the Infinity Gauntlet graphic novel and Adam Warlock was in that. Yes, I remember when when Infinity War came out, I, I got the big old omnibus of Infinity Gauntlet and I read it. And actually before that, I read the Adam Warlock Complete Collection by Jim Stalin. And obviously in the comics, it's very different. Adam Warlock, he has the soul stone in his head and obviously there's a lot of delightfully kind of 70s comic book like writing with a, tis I, Adam Warlock, you know, that's, that's really fun. <laughs> But what was interesting about this Adam Warlock is that he's just a baby. <laughs> like, he's so kind of matter-of-fact in the things that he says and does, and he is also so, like, simple-minded and so easily influenced. And I think that really yeah. works well to his arc, the idea that at the end he's like, why are you saving me? And I can't remember who says it. Oh, Groot. Groot says, oh, Groot, yeah. oh everyone, everyone deserves a second chance. And in that moment, 
Warlock gets that opportunity. I will say that, you know, this movie is probably has the most going on out of all the Guardians movies. It's a very busy movie. And I did feel like at points Warlock wasn't in it as much as he could have been. And also Kraglin and the whole like nowhere stuff. It takes such a backseat that I forgot that it was even involved. So when it kind of cropped up in the movie, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's still here. Um, hey, quite you know, <laughs> and I still think that they like used it all well, but there is definitely something to be said about like the movie's got so much going on. I think we're what we're seeing is the start of something with Adam Warlock. He's definitely going to see him again. I think we Will Poulter can do some really good stuff. So yeah, who knows? Maybe as the next Guardians or, or whatever they want to do. Yeah, I think this is just an introduction to the character as well. But I think the film was just focused on high evolutionary, which was trying to do. So I can't argue on that. But I thought, yeah. Yeah, they tied a lot of things together with the high evolutionary. Like they, yeah. they confirmed that he created the Sovereign, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that's a really um, interesting concept there. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and obviously they have the Adam Warlock tease at the end of volume two. And I think it was a good idea to tie them in so they didn't feel so separate. They could still kind of tie in well enough you know as to say i think that was really cool i want to talk about the music the awesome mixtape for the for the film Ah, because i made what i think is a mistake (laughs) i listened to the soundtrack before the film how much did you listen like how many times did you listen to the mixtape a lot a lot. I know that you only. I don't know. You only listened like once or twice. It wasn't. Yeah, as bad, I listened to once but... or twice. So I'd be like, ah, oh, cool. Because I don't want to yeah. be like imagining the stuff with this thing. But there's one song uh, <laughs> that I was obsessed with. And that's Reasons by Earth, Wind and Fire. That's a banger. That's a banger the song that. And I was imagining, you know, this story of like, you know, in the film, Gamora and Peter have an emotional arc together, like to reunite or talking about this different Gamora. And I thought that could work really well to remember what was the relationship between them, you know, talking about their experiences. But no, that is in the prison, well, not the prison arc. Uh, why did I say prison arc? This is an Andor. This is not Andor. One way out. One way out. No, it, it didn't remind me with the uniforms. Uh, one yeah, way yeah, out. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but with that, it's in the organic facility thing. Yes. Uh, organ co- I, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's like something scope, maybe. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, that was in the bit where Drax and Mantis trying to defend themselves and then Groot just comes in with the the Bowie and yeah yeah. with reasons playing with reasons playing and I'm like yeah hey this is great but we were in the cinema together and I (laughs) I felt you next to me be like oh oh because you were hoping that that would but honestly I had projected so many scenarios onto what the music would be that is the biggest mistake that is the biggest mistake I know I know I know I'm really upset that I did that looking back and I definitely think that you know all of my criticisms for this movie I am 90% sure, you know, whether it be like the marketing giving away too much or the pacing or, you know, the structure of it or or whether the music, I'm so sure that that will all go away in a second viewing, which is great because, you know, all of it really is just kind of trivial stuff. I feel like similar to the first movie, there's enough there that makes it not quite a 10 out of 10 for me, but it's not like a whole lot of stuff that really makes me dislike the movie. It's just moments that I'm not too keen on. But yeah, the music, I feel like, I really like the soundtrack and there are some songs that I really wish had more play. Like San Francisco is my favorite song on the soundtrack and I love oh. it to bits. And it yeah. plays for like two seconds. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh! I was like getting really excited. But then again, on the other side of that, you've got Creep, which is so well used at the beginning. No Sleep Till Brooklyn, which as we say is one of the best action sequences just so good and then the ending with dog days are over is 
pitch perfect. Everyone just happy and smiling and dancing and Drax dances with everyone. Everyone's dancing together. It was perfect. It was so, so amazing. Like, I think so many people, I had a conversation with my friend yesterday who was like, I swear to God, if Rocket dies, and I think we all expected it to be a sad and emotional ending. And it was, but for so many different reasons. And using that song, yeah, just like, wow. Um, James Gunn, that guy just knows what he's doing. I think this movie confirms to me that his Superman movie, all the ingredients are there. And I think we have no better person to cook it all together than him because he's done it. He's done it again. He does it, he does it again. He keeps on the hitting. man knows how to cook. He really does. And I think what they've created here is a perfect trilogy. And not only a perfect trilogy, but the best MCU trilogy by far. Yes, I agree. It's like the perfect MCU trilogy you have right here. It's got amazing scenes, a banger soundtrack, and the story is just so good. It's just so different to what you're seeing in the entire MCU. It's such a jarring watch, you know, that you're watching all these films in the MCU and then you get to the Guardians films. You're like, these are really good. And then, and then you just come back to the reality of the MCU. It's just like very bizarre to watch. But no. Yeah, it, the, the, it, the tonal whiplash of watching Quantumania and then Guardians 3 is just insane because the quality it, is on such a different level. Marvel hasn't got anything that would top Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or the trilogy itself or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's such yeah. an important piece to their work what james gunn did you can see the creativity that puts into even the music like you know there's a lot that goes into this and he jump-started this idea of like look into the 80s of like you know with music back in 2014 you know like it was mm. something that it was really interesting process you know like with the 70s music and then we got progressively to later music which is a really interesting process because i remember in guardians volume 2 star lord gets a zune yes and then it gets a new music on zune and oh and he gives it to rocket at the end oh, how perfect yeah. Yeah, that's and so we get, a scene, oh my we get God. a scene in one of the flashbacks where the High Evolutionary is talking to Rocket about music. Almost like an origin for why Rocket loves music so much. Oh, and I, honestly, the dog days are over scene. The more I think about it, it might just be one of my favorite scenes in any comic book movie, in any movie, because ah, of everything that it represents it's and awesome. everything that's come before. It was just so, so perfect. Yes. And... I have an email here from Samuel Masson, as ever. Hey. So, so many, so many emails these last few weeks. Thank you so hey. much. Thanks, um, Sam. Hello there, Tom and John. How far art thou? Very good, <laughs> thank you. Volume <laughs> three was one of my most anticipated MCU films post Endgame. It nice. had a lot to live up for. Two amazing predecessors, some heart, humor, and tears. Could James Gunn make it a hat trick? Of course he could. So this oh. is by far the best film since Endgame. I'm willing to let my bias for No Way Home slide for this because it all hit the right notes. This film was emotional and it worked so well. I never cried, but this movie cracked me. Rocket's story had me on edge and worried throughout the film. It could have come across forced, but it was so brilliantly written and acted. But of course, mm. everyone had their chance to shine through the course of the film. Tyler Bates also makes it a trio of awesomeness with his score. Well, John Murphy, but yes. So powerful, emotional, and just so dang good. Of course, we have our awesome mix songs, highlights being Come and Get Your Love, Since You've mm. Be Gone, and No Sleeps of Brooklyn. I'm a sucker for older music, and this gave me a true Guardians vibe. For me, one of my favorite parts of the film were characters and cameos. We already talked about Rocket and the rest of the crew, but Cosmo, the space dog, was there. Absolute delight to see Cosmo. But we also got to yeah. see Howard the Duck complete his cameo hat trick. A lot of hat tricks <laughs> in this trilogy. And one of my oh, favorite yes. actors, Nathan Fillion, came back. And this hey. time we saw his face in all its glory. What a man. Will Poulter had a good debut as Adam Warlock, and I'm interested to see, and I'm interested to see where his character goes. 
James oh, yeah. Gunn did such a phenomenal job with this movie and trilogy. This is the best trilogy in the MCU, hands down. Gunn delivered hands on every down. aspect of the trilogy, and that was even after being fired by Disney. He didn't have to come back, but he did, and I'm glad he did. If this trilogy is anything to go by, I'm really interested to see what DC's future has to offer. My question to you, gentlemen, is where do you think our characters will turn up next? And what do you want to see from them? Thanks for the pod, gentlemen. Take care, Sam. Thank you so Thank much, you, Sam. Sam. I right. agree with all of that, oh, as always. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think, yeah. you know, Sam, Sam, you got some good takes, man. What do you think, John? The goat. Um, where, where do you think the characters are going to show up again? Do you want to see them this again? Like, very... what, are, what are your thoughts? I really don't know. Rocket, I really like the character. I think he's my favorite out of the MCU. Like, literally. Oh, really? Yeah, no, like, fair enough. It was just such a really interesting character. That's my hot take. He's my favorite character out of the MCU. Yeah, I think we should put the characters to rest. Star-Lord is coming back, but it would be really nice to see Rocket back. But then again, it's James Gunn. He knows how to take these directions with these characters. And it's what makes it so unique. You know, he's, he he has this unique direction with, with the characters and how, you know, how he's going to place them in the story. He, he doesn't go too long with the funny stuff. You know, he hits the emotional beats, which he does. Come on. Like, if you see that in a trilogy, you get to see the emotional beats. Like, from the first film, like, with Peter uniting the Guardians and seeing his mother, you know, like, holding his hand. And that's, like, the start of acceptance. And then in the second one, you've got Yondu self-sacrificing and then this one you've got everyone saying goodbye to each other it's a really wholesome way and then Groot talks uh (laughs) i think you mean vin diesel talked it was in that moment that it was it went from being Groot to vin diesel he was like i love you guys and i was like he's gonna call them a family he's gonna call them a family Yeah, but for me personally, I should put these characters to rest. They've done such an amazing work on the characters. So Mm. I think, yeah, you should put them to rest. What about you? I agree. Without James Gunn, I just don't know how it would work. Yeah, He understands these characters like no other. And I think you can see that when it comes to Infinity War and Endgame. I do think they do get the Guardians right in some respects, but in other respects, I think they really fumble. They don't do anything with Drax and Mantis, characters that I think James Gunn really goes deep into. They have Quill return to Earth and not really react to it. I'm not saying that nobody else can do it, but it's a difficult thing. I think he's proved four times now. I think even the holiday special, which we did a video on, and it's just delightful. Even that in its 40 minutes, 50 minutes, just shows how well he understands these characters. And I really do think that without that, like I know at the end it said that the legendary Star-Lord will return. Who knows how that's going to be, but... I agree with you. The galaxy is so big. I don't mind the Guardians of the Galaxy being off and not crossing over with the Avengers and stuff. Because the galaxy, honestly, can be as vast as they want it to be. They can be off wherever. Drax and Nebula, they're making their community in, in no- nowhere. That's that's great. Again, that feels like their story's wrapped up. You know, Mantis is finding herself. Peter's come back to Earth, you know, for a, a simple life. I just think that all of it is so perfectly wrapped up. I just don't think that there's really any point of seeing them all again. You know, maybe Adam Warlock, sure. But even then, I just think that how can you do these characters without James Gunn? I just I just don't know. I really don't. But I think that the film just, you know, in so many respects, like there's so much to talk about. And there's so much that I think still we've only scratched the surface. But it really is one that's only going to get better with time. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just yeah. absolutely incredible. Uh, what are you going to give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 <sighs> out of 10? Again, this is like such a perfect trilogy to have in the MCU. I'm really optimistic. I would, man, I would give it a 9 or a 10. That's why I meant, like, 9 or a 10. That's why I'm really out, because I just totally enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going nine. It really was. I mean, like the more I think about it, the better it gets. 
you know, we were walking back and I was thinking, oh, I don't think I liked it quite as much as the first film. And now I'm thinking, oh, maybe I liked it more than the first film. And yeah, it really was, again, the more mm. I rewatch it, I'm sure the better it will get. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're listening you. on YouTube and you liked it, you can give us a like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, we're doing Star Wars Visions Volume 2, which Ooh. is going to be really, really interesting. I've, I've watched about half of them already. And my God, oh. just so, so cool. Such an interesting spin on Star Wars. That's going to be great to come back to after after Volume 1 or way back when. And you can send us an email at alsteinfilmpod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Star Wars Visions Volume 2 and ask us any questions. We'll answer it right here on the podcast next week. And you can follow us on Instagram at alsteinfilmpod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zayn Afzal and on Twitter for more thoughts from me. Thanks to L. Jones Mayer for the excellent theme and Renan Phillips for vocals as always. And I think that is everything. That is everything. Thank you, Sam, for the email. It's ah it's yes, pleasure. fantastic it's reading the emails. If anyone else wants to send emails, do just ask us questions about any film in general. So mm. yeah, thank you for listening. Take what you're given. You're nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>